today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Sometimes um, we can sing, and we could really do it for ourselves rather than God. Or we can preach, and we can do it for our own ego rather than for the advancement of His kingdom. Sometimes we can use the gifts that He has so graciously given us, but we use it for self rather than the Savior. Arms open wide, we see You're changing our lives So we can be our hands and feet As Christians, we're called to gather together regularly in worship and thanksgiving of what God has done for us. Whether it's small group activities, ministry outreach, or even Sunday services, our lives should portray the unity we have in Christ. In today's message, Pastor Ed warns us of the dangers of pursuing these callings with selfish ambitions and ill intent. In our study, we learn that whether it's sharing the Word, singing in worship, or the gifts of the Spirit, it's important that we do so selflessly. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Absalom's Spirit. had an entourage of 50 people running in front of him. Now, Jerusalem wasn't a large city. It was a significant city, but not a large city. So 50 people would run in front. Absalom, Prince Absalom is coming. And he had his chariot going through the city. See, he wanted people to know who he was. He wanted people to know that now he was the prince, the next, the crown prince. Because once Ammon was out of the way, Absalom, he was the most likely candidate to become the next king. Now, I'm going to go back in the story because after he killed Ammon, he fled to his grandfather's uh, kingdom. And there in his grandfather's kingdom, he stayed for a while. But Joab, knowing that David was getting older, and knowing that David's heart yearned for his son was involved in bringing Absalom back to Jerusalem, though David would not see him for a period of time until Absalom persuaded with a heavy hand Joab to have him have an entrance with the king. Absalom was confident, confident in his ability to charm In his ability to turn his father's heart, he came into the king's throne room, bowed his head, and said something. And the king lifted him up and kissed him, showed reconciliation. But his ambition was so seen by the way he used what God had blessed him with. I mean, he was blessed with charisma. He dripped with charisma. In verse 25, you see how he misuses that charisma. In all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. I mean, he was a total package. From top of his head to the sole of his foot, 
There was no blemish in him. He looked like a king. I mean, he was eye candy. <laughs> you, you just looked at this guy and you said, man, he's, he's, he's it. So he looked like a king. He, he, he carried himself like a king. He knew how to manipulate. He knew how to use the gifts that God had given him. You know, sometimes uh, we can sing and we could really do it for ourselves rather than God. Or we can preach and we can do it for our own ego rather than for the advancement of his kingdom. Sometimes we can use the gifts that he has so graciously given us, but we use it for self rather than the Savior. Absalom just had the appearance that was so winsome that people would follow him. That's been a danger. It always will be a danger for people. We tend to be enamored with the outward appearance, the way a person speaks, the way they carry themselves, the way they look, their persona. God is always, always concerned with character. Even the most spiritual among us, those with prophetic insight, can miss what a person really is. For example, one of the most powerful men of prayer, one of the most spiritual men in all Scripture, his name was Samuel. Here was his experience when he was looking to anoint the second king. When they arrived, Samuel, he's a prophet, saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God knows what's on the inside. And that's what we must be concerned about. God, you see, you know. But like Esau in the Old Testament, Absalom was not too, too much substance on the inside. He was more outward in his appearance. And yes, he was crafty. Yes, he was a consummate politician. He specialized in backroom politics. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 6, it says, Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. Now, let me give you the background again. What would happen is kings in those days would judge between cases, justice, what's right, what's wrong. And, and the kingdom was growing and growing. And, and David obviously... There were things falling through the cracks. But he trusted his son. His son was, after all, heir apparent. And someday he might sit on a throne. And, and so David um, looked at Absalom in a way that um, oh, he's, he's, he's helping. But what actually happened is people would come to see David and they would see Absalom at some point. And then he would 
undermine the people's confidence in his father. Uh, The story is all told in chapter 15. And then he would always put himself forth as the solution to the problem. If I were king... But he showed interest in the people. He said, well, where, what city do you come from? What's the nature of your complaint? What he did, what does the scripture say? He stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. I'm sorry to say, that reminds me of our politics. One politician running against an incumbent misrepresents that incumbent's record and says, I'm going to do much better. And then when he gets in, he doesn't keep his promises. It seems like the spirit of Absalom is in politics. Let's keep politics out of the church. Let's deal with each other with truth and honesty. Our word is our word. What we say, we mean. We don't play games. Speak the truth in love. And that's what you see in Absalom. He's a master at backroom politics. I still remember uh, Pastor Clark. He, he was my home. Well, he was one of the early pastors I worked with. I was his youth pastor for about four years. And he sat on the board of a well-known Christian organization in Pennsylvania. If I mentioned the name, you would all know it. Well, one day in the mail, congregants at Evangel Assembly of God, the church that we were a part of, and received a letter from this Christian organization. We're in crisis. We need your money right away. And if we don't get it, people are going to suffer. And he said, my, I'm on the board. I didn't know that. How did that happen? And so he went. And he asked the CEO, what happened in our finances? And the CEO said, oh, we have to send out those type of letters. Because if we don't, people will give out or give their money to other institutions that send out panic letters. So we got to get ours out first and we got to just do that or else people are not going to contribute. Brother Clark was disheartened and left that organization I think it's so important that we have integrity in what we do. The maxim, the maxim that I believe that many in the halls of Congress follow is this. The ends justify the means. If I see the end and it's a good end, however I get there, it doesn't matter. I could lie, I could steal, I can... Twist the truth. As Christians, we can't participate in that type of process. We have to be honest and truthful and upright. And I know we're swimming against the stream. William Penn said, A good end cannot sanctify evil means. Nor must we ever do evil that good may come of it. Be truthful. Be upfront. Uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal last week over the weekend, Sunday, New Year, uh, Sunday Wall Street Journal, and it talked why lying goes on. 
why we lie. And in the article, it just stated a couple of things. And one of the things said, we know about the contagious nature of cheating, the way that the small transgression can grease the psychological skids to the larger ones. That's what's happening in Absalom's life. He has prepared himself by his deception with Ammon, and he's going to deceive the nation, and he's going to deceive his father, and he's going to suffer the consequences. Remember the old saying? Oh, what a tangled web we weave when at first we practice to deceive. Absalom, he's going to use his good looks and his charms for his own end and purposes, his giftings. Absalom, he is going to use backroom politics where he steals the hearts of people. Absalom, he's going to use religion. How people use God is unbelievable. Now, now remember, Absalom's going to just dress up the story. He comes in to see his father. And, well, let me read to you Absalom's words. Absalom, this is the message, translation, verses 7 of eight and 8 of verse chapter 15 of Second Samuel. After four years of this, Absalom spoke to the king. Now, four years he's been stealing the hearts of the people, undermining the king. Absalom spoke to the king, let me go to Hebron. That was where he was born. That's where King David had been first established as king. He goes, he said, let me go to Hebron to pay a vow that I made to God. Your servant made a vow when I was in Jeshur in Aram saying, if God will bring me back to Jerusalem, I'll serve him with my life. Absalom was saying, when I was in exile and I couldn't see you and I was away, I made a vow if God brought me back to Jerusalem, I would go and offer sacrifices in Hebron and I would serve him with all my life. What would David say? Go! That's great. But what is he doing? He goes there. Does he offer the sacrifice? Yes. He offers the sacrifices there and then He placates his conscience, and he's saying, God, okay, I should be king. See, he had a lustful eye on that throne. Couldn't wait for the words to be spoken over David. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. We commit his body to the ground. He couldn't wait. That's the way ambition is. Run ahead of God. Go too quick. Driven. Driven, driven by that. There he is. Using religion. How many people say, God told me? How many people use prayer, use religion, use the church, use God? And it all looks good. Man sees your actions. But God, your motives, and what's important to God is why we do what we do. Oh, we're great at deceiving others. We're so good at it that we deceive ourselves and we hide our own motives from ourselves. Again and again, 
the spirit of Absalom comes on us, when we begin to play the fool, God sees. We can justify ourselves, and the worst type of justification is self-justification. Doesn't stop there. You always bring somebody with you. You always carry a crowd with you. That's what Absalom's going to do. There is unholy alliances. One of David's best friends, Ahithophel, was a counselor. The Bible says to speak with Ahithophel was like speaking to God. He was one of the wisest men in the whole nation. He had a reputation throughout the nation as being the consummate diplomat the wisest of the wise. It's like that old commercial when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. When Ahithophel spoke, everybody listened. Absalom wanted him on his side, and Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. He was one of David's mighty 30 men, but Absalom was able to turn his heart, and Ahithophel's heart turned. So they began the plot and plan against the man of God. Now, remember, Absalom was beautiful, handsome, sophisticated. David at this time would be a little worn out from life. All those wars he had, all those battles he had, he'd be probably 60-ish. And so Absalom came on and won Ahithophel's heart as well. And here's what the text says. Let me read it to you. When Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, David's counselor. And what happened? The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Hmm. The nation forgot David, the one who brought down Goliath. They forgot the sweet psalmist who wrote the songs that brought people into the presence of God, how quickly we forget. How quickly the memory fades. Here's David's words during this terrible time in his life where his heart was being wrenched apart. Listen to David's prayer, again found in the message translation In Psalm 55, this isn't the neighborhood bully mocking me. I could take that. This isn't a foreign devil spitting invective. I could tune that out. It's you. We grew up together. You, my best friend. Those long hours of leisure as we walked arm in arm. God, a third party to our conversations. All my betrayers off alive to hell. Let them experience the horror. Let them feel every desolate detail of a damned life. I call God. He will help. What words? David was being crushed and broken. But he went to God. Some of you... Remember a mate that walked out on you. Remember someone who stabbed you in the back. Some of you 
have pain from when you were a child growing up. God knows all about it. Bring it to him. He himself was betrayed in the last moments of his life when Judas with a kiss. But yet on the cross he prays, Father, forgive them. Like Haddon, and there were times that they wanted judgment to fall on this woman. But in their best and better moments, they prayed for mercy. When you betray somebody else, you also betray yourself. Listen to the words of Abraham Lincoln. I am not bound to win. I am bound to be true. I am not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live by the light that I have. I must stand with anybody that stands right. Stand with him while he is right and part with him when he goes wrong. We need the type of integrity of heart that wants to do the will of God from the very depths of our soul. We need the type of integrity that says, I will do what's right in God's eyes. And when my friend is wrong, I'll tell him because I'm his friend. Absalom. He ended his life under a heap of stones. Absalom met his death on the battlefield. It's ironic, perhaps a parable of where vanity will lead you and take you. He's riding through the forest and he catches his head in some type of tree. And some in tradition say that his hair gets caught in the tree. He's suspended between earth and heaven. And Joab finds out that he's there. And Joab and his men kill him. And his body is so decimated that you cannot recognize it. And they heap stones on top of him. And when David thinks, oh, this was my son. I had hopes for him. I had dreams for him. I had expectations of him. Absalom, I would have died. The throne doesn't mean that much to me. Absalom, Absalom, would to God I would have died for thee. Every one of us will be tempted along life's journey to harbor anger and to plan our own revenge. Every one of us will be tempted by ambition to think we're better than someone else and maybe to use backdoor politics or to be enamored with our own strengths or simply to use religion to get our own ends. God forbid that we'd walk or live in the absolute spirit. Help us to humble ourselves before him. It's by grace and grace alone that we can be acceptable to God. Without him, our story is a tragedy. With him, 
It's a triumph. The more we learn of David's story, the more we see how God can use an imperfect person to do incredible things. God can and wants to use you too. Did you know that God has a special and exciting plan for your life? He has designed you to fit that plan exactly and will give you the strength you need for every task. All you need to do is seek Him for guidance and lean on Him for your source of power. Pastor Ed will continue teaching about the life of David on the next edition of Building in Faith. But you can find more messages right now by visiting our radio website, buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to visit our church homepage as well by clicking on Back to the Homepage. There, you'll be greeted by a daily scripture and some exciting events coming up for us here at Faith Assembly. We know how important finding a church home is to the Christian walk. And if you've not yet found that for your own life, why not join us? We'd be honored to meet you and share a time of worship and Bible study with you. We gather together each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Location information and directions are on our website. That address again is buildinginfaithradio.com. As our time with you comes to a close, we'd like to say thank you for joining us today. We pray your day is blessed by God and that you continue to seek Him in your personal journey of faith. Pastor Ed will have more to share from the Word of God on the next edition of Building in Faith. Your word